Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of Veterans Path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness and meditation and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Today, my guest is former Marine Sergeant Dave Keneally. Dave, as mentioned, is a former Sergeant of Marines, but he's also a former Buddhist monk in the tradition of the Vietnamese Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. He spent six years living in monasteries and practice centers before moving to San Diego where he teaches mindfulness meditation every week at the Sangha Ocean Beach. He's also a massage therapist and yoga therapist and has taught mindfulness to diverse groups from teens to people at the end of life. Raised in the Bronx in New York City to an Irish dad and Ecuadorian mom, Dave feels very grateful that he gets to spread the practices of mindfulness all over the world through his teaching. We're gonna learn a lot more about Dave, his time in the Marine Corps, his becoming a Buddhist monk, and his time in the monasteries and practice centers, what brought him to San Diego, and then all about what he's doing now as a mindfulness teacher, massage therapist, and yoga therapist. And that's all here in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is former Marine Dave Keneally. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you, John. Such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so I introduced you as a former Marine. Is there really such thing as a former Marine? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so you sent it to me. I just want to put this out. I, I, I know that about Marines. You sent it to me in your bio, so I read it. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So I normally start out with a, a little bit of a scene setter kind of question, but I want to jump right in here, man. Your bio is so fascinating. So Marine to Buddhist monk. If you could tell us about your time in the Marine Corps, kind of what you did, where you were, where you served, um, how long you were in, and then how that led to your becoming a monk. Mm, wow. Yeah. Thanks for the question, John. Yeah. Uh, I, I was stationed in Camp Pendleton in Southern California, and I was in the Marines, uh, in 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, and Infantry Battalion. 
uh, for five years, from 92 to 97. Um, my MOS was a field radio operator, and so I did a variety of communications-related stuff from running around with a radio on my back to you know being intense with generals and helping them talk to lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they do like to talk to a lot of people, or more, more likely hear from a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can guess which of those two missions I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and so, yeah, that was the beginning. And for me, as a communication specialist, I spent a lot of time teaching, actually. Uh, a lot of my job was teaching infantrymen how to use their radio equipment. Uh, and then later on as a sergeant, teaching young communicators how to, how to do the work. And so I got a lot out of those years because it helped sort of set the stage for me being a mindfulness and a yoga teacher now. Nice. Yeah. So you got out in, you said 97. Mm -hmm. So 97 rolls around you transition out of the Marine Corps. Did you know at that point that you were going to take this next step to becoming a Buddhist monk? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, I was like 24 years old at that time. And those were tough years. I was pretty lost at that yeah. time. Uh, I would say it took me about three or even four years to like really figure out what I wanted to do next. I just floated around. I lived in San Francisco for a while. I, I studied theater at Berkeley for a year. Wow. <laughs> Veterans Path was founded in Berkeley. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that job. I love that job. And then uh, I would say probably the, the key experience uh, came when I was about 28 uh, in terms of setting me on this path. And I had been practicing yoga for a couple of years at that point. Uh, but mostly for exercise and, uh, to be honest, to chase pretty girls into yoga classes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I was camping out in the desert in Joshua Tree National Park. In yeah. And uh, I was doing yoga in the morning with this woman who was just sort of teaching a volunteer class in the morning, right there on the dirt. And uh, after class one day, she kind of tapped me on the shoulder. And she said, Dave, are you just exercising? <laughs> <laughs> and I was pretty honest. And I was like, oh, for the most part, I mean. It's <laughs> and she sat me down and she was like, Dave, the practice of yoga is essentially a 5,000 year old prayer. And it's designed to allow you to move into the direction of your suffering and to find a comfortable seat literally inside of it it's designed to help you to learn how to suffer well and that just blew my mind like I did, I did not realize that I had like sort of washed up on the shore of a whole practice like that and uh, and I was in a lot of suffering at that time uh, I was confused I was not having an easy transition back to civilian life um, I was going to school and working at a bunch of jobs, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and so I was ready to be given that kind of assistance to be told like, Hey, there's something that you can practice every day that will make you stronger in the face of your suffering. Wow. 
So what did the next step look like for you after she tells you this? You, what, where did you go? What did you do? What did that actually consist of? Well, no surprise. I'm a relatively intense person. (laughs) 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 And so I just dove in and sort of built my whole life around yoga practice. And I started going to classes all the time and seeking out master teachers. And I was living in Los Angeles at that time. So there was, there was and is a very thriving yoga community with a lot of senior, very, very experienced teachers there. And so I just started hitting it like every day, sometimes twice a day. Wow. (laughs) And uh, I left my work in the entertainment industry. Now we're talking about like a process of the next two or three years. I left my work in the entertainment industry and uh, I became a massage therapist because I wanted my work to be aligned with yoga yeah. to be informing my yoga practice. And, uh, and then I ultimately certified as a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist uh, doing a program that's called Urban Zen Integrative Therapy. It's a year-long training in uh, yoga therapy, breath work, meditation, Reiki. Uh, it's a very beautiful style of integrative therapy. And so, yeah, basically I just dove into like, how can I help people and myself through understanding more about the body, the breath, and the mind. Nice. And, and then when did you actually study the, the mindfulness side to actually becoming the monk? And, mm. and I mean, did you actually travel overseas for that or was that all uh, stateside? That all, those years were all stateside. Okay. Uh, my, my teacher is the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah. And he's Vietnamese, but he's actually living in exile from Vietnam. He, he lived in exile from Vietnam for over 40 years because during the Vietnam War, he refused to take sides. So a good way to think of Thich Nhat Hanh is as the Dalai Lama is to Tibet, so Thich Nhat Hanh is to Vietnam. He's one their senior Buddhist teacher in a Buddhist country. Mm-hmm. And so both sides were very invested in him taking their side because he had such influence with the common man and woman in Vietnam. But Thich Nhat Hanh was very clear. He was like, no, the side that I'm on is for peace. and wow neither one north or south wanted to hear that and and so when it was over uh, he was exiled um and so his home monastery is in the south of france it's called yeah just outside of Bordeaux. right but he also has a monastery in new york state a monastery in california and a monastery in mississippi and i practiced and lived in all three of those centers oh wow yeah wow How long were you in each? Uh, I ended up spending, so during these yoga massage years, that's when I discovered Tikhanahan's teaching. I read uh, a book of his and it just blew my mind. I was like, okay, like, I don't even know if he said anything that I hadn't heard yet at that point, like studying other forms of meditation and massage and practicing the meditation of yoga. But there was something about how he said it, how poetically, how directly i mean we're talking about a guy that lived through the french occupation of vietnam and then the american and vietnamese war so he lived a life surrounded by really intense conflict 
And there was something in that voice, something that came through in his writing that really touched me. And maybe because I had been in the military in my life, but um, maybe just because I was from the Bronx and like came from a tough neighborhood that felt like a war zone. <laughs> nice. And well, so, sorry, go ahead, John. No, 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 go ahead. No, you, you definitely had a thought to finish there. <laughs> and so he, what he did was help me understand even more deeply that whether I was practicing yoga therapy or whether I was practicing massage therapy, that I was practicing mindfulness practice. Thich Nhat Hanh sort of brought it all together for me. Nice. And I started hanging out in his monasteries and sitting, a big part of his practice is having a sangha, and that word sangha means family or community. And so he practices by teaching us to create these little sanghas all over the world and to sit together at least once a week and practice and meditate and talk about life together. I just started one where I live in uh, Ocean Beach in San Diego. Nice. I definitely want to know more about that. Like, how did <laughs> how did that go over? How is it received? Uh, you know, how many people are a part of it? How how's that going? Oh, that's been amazing, John. That's been going for just under two years now. And when we started it. Now, I didn't know exactly the answer to any of those questions. I didn't know how, <laughs> how much interest is there for that here. And so I just flyered the neighborhood, got this really cool image uh, designed by a buddy of mine who's a former Force Recon guy who's an artist and a dear friend. And he made this beautiful image of the Buddha surfing a wave. This ocean beach. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I know Ocean Beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we put, uh, we just peppered the neighborhood with these flyers. And that was it. That was the sum total of our advertising. Wow. And so you guys now, didn't do any online, anything. It was all flyers. It was all flyers in the beginning. Yeah. It's old now, school, man. Yeah. Yeah. We just <laughs> wanted to like actually invite the neighborhood. Yeah. That's cool. And yeah. And people came. People came in dribs and drabs at first. Um, there was that one day where there was just, me and one other person. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's hang out. <laughs> nice. And, but now I would say there's anywhere from 15 to 25 people there every Sunday morning. Wow. Um, you know, all together, I would say we're a community of a few hundred people because not everybody can come every Sunday. Sure, sure. Uh, we're on Instagram now as Sanda OB and Facebook as well. And uh, it's an amazing group. They've become a family. Uh, lots of friends that is so cool man so what when you guys do get together what does that actually consist of what is what does that sunday morning look like Hmm. Uh, i try to mix it up uh just to keep things interesting and i try to bring in a guest teacher uh, at least once a month just to have a different voice in the room and and add some flavor to it but in general the way it looks is it's an hour and a half in the morning from 10 to 11:30, and we gather and just have a check-in like a go-around where everybody just says their name and says a sentence about how they're doing right then just to kind of get us all grounded and put everybody's voice into the room and then i lead maybe a five or a seven minute guided meditation like something very short just to give everybody a chance i like to say to give the snow globe a chance to settle <laughs> yeah right yes set that let that chaos settle down exactly exactly yeah. 
even on a Sunday morning, people are already in racing mind and, you know, have 20 things going on. Yeah. So. I honestly find Sunday morning is when I'm probably the worst uh, because I, I kind of use Sunday evening to outline what the week is going to look like. I put it all down. I literally um, I have it right here in front of me. Um, my, my like to-do list of everything I'm going to get done during the week. But I do that like Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. And after I do that, you know, my, my snow globe is settled. Um, but I need a sangha <laughs> like, to, to settle my mind before that. Cause uh, Sunday morning is, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty stressful. You know, I, I personally, uh, I try to go to church, um, when I can, I'm Christian. Um, but uh, I've got two little ones at, at home. I've got a three-year-old and a, and a one-year-old. So physically getting to church uh, happens less often than I would like to. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's a sangha in and of itself, right? Um, so I, I need to find some way to attend a sangha, be part of a sangha, be part of that, that family. Um, so that's awesome that you've got that going. Um, so that's been going for two years uh, with started with the real grassroots kind of foundation there with, uh, with flyers. I love that, man. It's beautiful. Um, I, I want to transition a little bit uh, specifically to your transition from the Marine Corps. Uh, you mentioned that was a, a little bit of uh, a tough time for you. Uh, why, why do you feel that was uh, stressful for you? Mm. <clears throat> course a number of reasons i think you know i was raised catholic <clears throat> super super catholic family and uh i think looking back on it a lot because of how i was introduced to it um i just didn't connect to it i didn't i didn't feel comfortable taking it on as my spirituality as i moved into adulthood mm -hmm. so when i stepped out of the military at 24 like I didn't have any moral compass. Like all of a sudden I had this tremendous freedom, right? I was an adult. I was a civilian again. I had, you know, the GI bill. If I wanted to school, go to school, I could get on a plane and go live in a foreign country. If I wanted to, I could do whatever I wanted. And I didn't feel like I had a moral compass that was helping me make those choices. And so for three or four years, I, I look back and I see that I was just, wandering around sort of trying to figure it out mm -hmm. and you know i i looked into becoming an actor uh i pursued some jobs that were just really high paying uh because i thought oh well that's what you're supposed to do you know you gotta right. get a job and buy a house and <laughs> you know <laughs> yep. but i look back on it now and i see that and and to be honest none of those actions were very effective um, things that weren't going super well. I, I wasn't being really productive. I, I wasn't experiencing a lot of success. And, and I look back on it now, and I think of a teaching from Thich Nhat Hanh where he's very clear and he says, our actions are the most powerful when they're connected to our deepest intention. <sighs> when they're coming from a hard place. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know what my deepest intentions were. I hadn't really taken the time and sat down with myself and checked in with my values 
and then applied them to the world around me and then made aspirational decisions based on that. And I didn't start thinking that way until I started physically calming myself down with yoga. And then beyond that, mentally calming myself down with other mindfulness practices. Right. Yeah. And those two, um, I've actually had, yeah, I think you're the fourth yoga therapist I've had on, on the show. Um, but not everybody listens to every episode. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kid myself and believe that they do. So, uh, could you maybe just touch on how those two are almost inextricably intertwined, the, the yoga therapy and the mindfulness work? Mm, absolutely. So like, on the surface, when you see somebody practicing physical yoga, um, you know, it looks like exercise or it may look like a, a calm period of stretching, depending on the style of yoga, because there are so many. Mm -hmm. But the underpinning idea is much more of a meditation practice or a mindfulness practice. So in the Sanskrit language that a lot of yoga is written down in, in old school, uh, they use this word asana. Mm -hmm. and asana means posture or pose. But a more literal translation of the word asana is comfortable seat. And so really what yoga is about is about intentionally producing a moment of discomfort, right? I'm twisted up in some pretzel pose or I'm balancing on one foot or whatever. Intentionally creating a little bit of discomfort and then training myself to find comfortable seat inside of it over and over and over again. And this is training for life when that discomfort, when that unexpected negative thing arises and how, how can I find peace inside of it? By coming back to my breathing, by grounding myself in my body, by acknowledging that it's an experience I'm having that's negative, but that I have not become a negative thing. <laughs> right? Just like yes. when I'm in a yoga pose, I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, shaking right now because this pose is physically challenging or frightening, but I'm still Dave. I'm still calm. Like, you know, getting in touch maybe with the tips of my fingers in that pose because they're not straining. <laughs> right, right. And so, yeah, in, in, in its essence, yoga is a practice designing us to get stronger at just coming back to balance internally, coming home to ourselves and not being so freaked out. Yeah, awesome. So we've talked about your massage therapist, yoga therapist, mindfulness teacher with quite the experience. Um, I want to know, so your that transition that you went through, did you actually feel a calming down after learning these practices? And, you know, what were some of the other be benefits that you personally saw after starting to practice? Hmm. They were numerous and, and they came faster than I, I anticipated. Like, I would say even just a year or two into taking regular time to slow myself down and spend time with my body and spend time with my thoughts and my feelings and, and quiet, which is a simple way of describing what meditation is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I noticed I was physically healthier. I noticed I was feeling mentally more stable. Uh, no, I, 
came from, as I talked about a little bit earlier, I was raised in the Bronx in the 70s and 80s, and it's kind of a rough time in that city's history. It was a lot of crime and a lot of poverty and a lot of violence. And, um, and my dad was, uh, was an alcoholic. And so even inside of my home, there was a lot of difficulty and, and uh, uh, not a lot of access to psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And so I had gone through uh, some therapy to try to deal with that because I had a lot of problems as, uh, as an adolescent, a lot, of, a lot of depression, a lot of depression. And, uh, and so when I took up these practices, then on the other side of the, of my military experience, I saw that I was getting a lot of the same benefits that I had been getting from therapy, that I was being assisted by those practices to understand myself better, to accept more the challenges that I was experiencing, uh, and, and real tools for how, how to manage them, how to transform them, and, uh, improve states that maybe weren't so beneficial for me. Nice. That's awesome, man. What about um, your family? You talk about them being in the Bronx, kind of a, kind of a rough and tough area of the, the world, rough and tough area of the country, um, and having a rough and tough upbringing, um, and, and then being Catholic, raised Catholic. Um, then you go become a Buddhist monk, how was that received by your family? And have you, have you taught any of what you've learned to any members of your family? Mm, wow, that's such a beautiful question. <laughs> 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 yeah, because, right, it would be easy to hear that story and to think that I made this huge sort of step away from my family. Yeah. But, wow, I'm really happy to report I actually feel the opposite. I feel like... Great. I, yeah, how, how lucky. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, my, uh, if I was to really answer the question, like, how did I end up on this path? Like, how did I go into the spiritual teacher business? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the family business. How, like, my father's father, who I'm named after, Dave Keneally, uh, also, like me, grew up pretty poor and grew up in a rough and tumble part of Cork City in Ireland. And uh, but he was an extraordinarily devout Catholic. And we're talking about a guy who went to church every day. We're, wow. talking, we're talking about a guy in Ireland who was what they call a pioneer, 50 years without a drink of alcohol. Like a very, very devout man. And uh, one of one of his children, my uncle Christy, at one point in his life was a Catholic priest. Wow. Um, my father studied in the seminary and almost became a Catholic priest. Uh, and so had a lot of friends that were priests or Franciscan brothers. And so like part of my childhood was being brought over to like the brother's house, like where these brown robed, you know, Franciscan brothers would like sit down and have a cup of tea with my dad while I like ran around the house as a little kid. So <laughs> I can picture actually, that. Yeah. <laughs> so in my family, yeah, to go to go quite deeply into spiritual life feels very natural. Nice. That's awesome. Now, what about just socially? when you're talking to friends uh, or people around there in, in San Diego area uh, and you tell people that you were a Buddhist monk, what's the typical reception? <laughs> I think uh, yeah, 
the real hilarity is when people find out that I was in the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah, how do you explain that? I guess that's why you're on the show today. Is, is, that, is that hilarity? <laughs> you know, I like to joke that, uh, that I'm addicted to shaving my head and putting on a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah, you know, you know what I what I talk about with people because of course they're always sort of some combination of surprised and curious. Is I like to point out the similarities. I mean, when you're in the military, you call it being in the service, mm -hmm. and and you really are like taking on this role where you're doing a very difficult thing that puts you in a bit of a cloister, like separates you from the rest of society. Uh, has you on a very strict schedule of training that starts early in the day and can be quite austere uh, and is in, at its essence, right, a, a heart practice, a practice of, of love. Of, like, why do people go into the military? I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I mean, you can't deny that part of what you're doing is making a lot of sacrifice in your life for the gr greater good of this society of strangers. Right. That's a very spiritual act. That's a very loving act. And monks and nuns are doing exactly the same thing. Uh, they're living together in a bit of a cloister and following the same very disciplined schedule so that they can get powerful at loving. And they're doing it for the love of the people around them, for the love of everybody outside of the monastery. Nice. So your sangha, and now you've got the, the massage therapy and you've got the yoga therapy on top of all that. What are you doing outside of your sangha there in San Diego? Uh, my big project right now is I just started a new YouTube channel. Nice. Uh, and it was just funny coincidence that now in these times of sheltering in place that I, I was already had a YouTube coach hired. Like I was planning on really anyway. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. A oh, YouTube yeah. coach, huh? Absolutely. I mean, hey, well, I need some help. So <laughs> Brighton West, and I will send you his information. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, so my my thinking basically was that all right, if if what I care about the most is living a life of mindfulness, and which could be described sometimes as a life of love and understanding, then and I and I want to help other people to do that. Well, what's the way I can get this message out to the most people? And nowadays, you know, I mean, what are we doing, right? And yeah, exactly. Digital content, and so I thought about it for years, um, and I was pretty resistant to it because. Uh, I didn't want to water the flower of my own ego. Sure. And sure. make it about me. Because you know? that's sort of antithetical to what the teachings are. Right? Of course. The are all about selflessness and service and love. And but for years, friends and fellow practitioners and students have been saying, like, Dave, you know, you're a good storyteller. Like, tell some stories. You know, tell some stories that more than 25 people can hear at a time. And so I'm finally doing it. And so I've been putting up a talk just for the last month, uh, every Friday. And I'm just going through the basics, the foundations of mindfulness practice in these like, you know, eight to 15 minute talks. Nice. That's and, awesome. Ah, it's been so much fun, John. I'm learning so much because it's a whole different way of sure. 
Well, so what, what was what what was the channel again? Uh, it's just my name, so it's people can just look okay. up Dave Keneally. I'm going to be looking it up right after this. Ah, thanks, John. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to check it out. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. So, on top of that, um, is there anything anything else on the horizon for you, or that's your main project right now, right? That's my main project right yeah. now, and I see that expanding into maybe a monthly sangha where nice. I'm hope because now so many sanghas are hosted online. I think people have been introduced to it as an option, whereas maybe they wouldn't have been interested in it before. Sure. And so I think once a month, I'm going to set up a forum where I lead a little bit of meditation and that people from all over the world can just ask me questions. Very cool. And answer. So that's super helpful for people. That's something we do every time we meet at Sangha Ocean Beach. We always have a, a space where people can share and ask a question. Yeah. Because it, it's so helpful. And, and the work you're doing with this podcast is a great example of this, John. It's so helpful for people to be able to hear somebody else dealing with something that's difficult for them. Sure. Because we have this hardwired instinct to first think, well, it's only me or it's all my fault. Or I'm the right. only one suffering this way. And of course, that's almost never true. <laughs> right? Right. Right. Nine times out of 10, if you say it out loud, somebody else in the room is like, oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, man. Wow. That's, uh, let us know about that when you kick that off, too. Uh, I would love to you know, be a part of that or point some of our veterans to that as a resource because um, that's that's what we're all about right i mean is is teaching veterans the the life-changing and life-saving practices of mindfulness and meditation so if that's a, a virtual sangha or if it's you know actually getting together on a retreat whatever the case may be um i i definitely want to share resources like that so that's awesome man i love that that idea would you be doing that on like a zoom webinar or is exactly. that the yeah nice man if you well, Dave, uh, what, what have we not talked about yet that you want to make sure our listeners uh, know about you or that you want to talk about? Mm. Thanks for that question, John. I'm scanning my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I want to say that I haven't said very directly is that, and, and I feel like our conversation has sort of led to this because we, we talked about Catholicism and Christianity and Buddhism and yoga and <laughs> and I, I want to be really clear like sure like the way my life ended up being uh, you know I ended up spending whatever six years living in Buddhist monasteries and so now the way I teach has a lot to do with Buddhism um, but Buddha, it's not about Buddhism like my teacher Thich Nhat Hanh says it very clearly we don't need any more Buddhists. What we need are more practitioners. And I want to make that statement really clear, like whether you're practicing your Christianity or your Muslim faith or your Sufism or your yoga or whatever you practice. Uh, I think it's about coming together with other people and just trying to practice it as sincerely and as deeply and as lovingly as we can. Uh, I think that these times call for that kind of unity from us right now, that everybody kind of double down and dig deep and get in touch with the stuff on their heart, the stuff that 
um, that maybe we've been ignoring. I love that, man. Uh, this is this has been a, a ton of fun getting to know you, Dave. And this is this is why, like I mentioned before, I hit record this morning, or I guess this afternoon. Um, this is why I enjoy this is because you get to know people and you get to know about them. This is uh, this has been uh, a lot of fun. If uh, people wanted to reach out to you, um, you know, you've got your um, your YouTube channel, you've got some social media. What's the best way for them to contact you? I'm on both uh, Facebook and Instagram as Dave Pinot. Okay, easy enough. Uh, and obviously that'll be spelled out in both the YouTube and, uh, and the podcast uh, platform notes. So Dave, this has been an honor. So, uh, so happy that we got introduced. So happy to have had you on the show. Uh, your energy is, uh, is infectious. Is that, is that the right word? I think that's what I'm looking for. So uh, I, it's uh it's, 2:10 in the afternoon here on the east coast and uh kind of had a rough night last night with our three-year-old bouncing into uh, our bed saying that she was having bad dreams and i i thought that uh by this time in the afternoon i was gonna be dragging but having spoken with you i'm fully charged and ready to go man uh so now i think i'm gonna go sit and uh and clear my mind and then then uh and then be ready for the rest of the day so it's been uh, it's been awesome dave thank you so much for your time thank you so much for sharing your story Thank you, John. And thanks for doing this wonderful work. Thank you. Thank you very much. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening to or watching our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or here on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority improving and saving lives.